Hello, everyone. My name is Andy Nowicki. I am the Nameless One, welcoming you to another Nameless podcast. I wanted to clarify what I think the unfolding Weinstein Gate is really all about, what it boils down to, what it is at its core, at its essence, because I think there's a lot of misdirection happening right now. The most obvious type of misdirection is to make this some kind of feminist issue, to make it so that this is the way that men behave and all men are Harvey Weinstein and men should just feel ashamed because uh, Harvey Weinstein behaved the way that he behaved and that's just the way that men do. Men just need to learn how to behave better than that. They need to treat, learn to treat women with respect and they need to receive even more sensitivity training than they've already received about the glory and wonder of the fairer sex. I don't think that's going to fly, but I know that's the way they're trying to fly it. <laughs> that's, that's the way they're attempting to steer the plane, some of them out there. Obviously that's not what this is really about. The average man working a day-to-day job, trying, trying to get by, he has absolutely nothing in common with a Harvey Weinstein. He has absolutely none of the same inclinations as a Harvey Weinstein, other than, you know, a sex drive. Yes, obviously he has that. But Harvey Weinstein, whom I think, you know, as disgusting and appalling a person as he clearly is, I think he is a benign, relatively benign case of what prevails in the halls of power, in the upper echelons of the power centers of the world and of the country of which Hollywood is just one. It's just one major institution of power. Obviously, the power is there. We see that with Weinstein and his influence, how he was able to steer things with presidents, with an entire political establishment, how He not only monetarily contributed to them, but how his entire persona, his entire public persona was uh, in many ways a political one. You know, he attended the GLAAD Awards, the Gay and Lesbian Awards, and he was a participant in women's marches, which seems pretty funny now to think about. And he, so he, he took part in all of these kinds of prescribed activisms of the left and a first lady of the country called him a good friend and a wonderful human being. And I don't think she was lying when she said that he, he, he was a good friend of hers. I think she really found him to be a good friend. However, that's defined now when you're among the sociopathic power elite what is a friend what what does a friend 
do for you? What, what, uh, how do you define a friend? A friend is somebody who is at your level and who scratches your back and you scratch his and you work together towards the same nefarious goals. It's not quite the same thing as what most of us think of as friendship. You know, as you get together with your friend and, uh, you know, have a few beers. I don't know, I don't want to be too cliched here, but you know, a friend is someone who you have things things in common with, things that and you get along and you share common interests. Well, I mean, in, in that way, I think they, you know, the Obamas and the, the Clintons and Weinstein and the whole gang, that, that probably is true. They do obviously share certain interests, but it's it takes on a whole new complexion when you are among the people who who rule the world. So Weinstein is now being condemned by the same people who thought he was just a great, great person a week ago. Now they're claiming to be horrified to suddenly discover just who he is, just how he has behaved. And their dishonesty is transparent. It simply is there for all to see because they knew who he was when he was doing the things that he was doing. They, they may not have known all the details, but they knew it was an open secret. And by the way, let me again recommend a documentary by that same title, An Open Secret, which talks about, gives some insight into the nefarious doings of the powerful in the entertainment industry. And again, Weinstein, he's, he's an angel compared to these, these kind of people, at least unless we know, unless there, is, there are still things about him that we don't know, which there might well be. But so far from what we can gather, he didn't seem to have any interest in children, sexual interest in children, that is. And he didn't seem inclined to actually want to physically hurt people. And from what I can gather, what when you really get down into the gunk and see and discern, again, Franklin scandal, the Franklin cover-up, keep coming back to that as well. You know, I think... I truly think that the most perverted, disgusting, gross, appalling, heinous, wicked, and evil, sadistic, sociopathic, demonic kinds of behavior is going on on the regular. It's being indulged in on the regular. It's no big deal, like Katy Perry says in her song, with the 
with which has the video that has all the pizza and the ping pong table and all the other interesting imagery in it. It's no big deal. This is how we do. So these kinds of things are going on on the regular, not just in Hollywood, but in among the power elite, among those who rule us, those with money and power and not just money and power, but extreme money and extreme power and extreme influence. It's not unusual. And again, it's easy to redirect it in an area, in a certain ideological area, <clears throat> like to, to try to make this a, a feminist issue. And to be fair to those who, who want to make it a feminist issue, yes, Weinstein was a powerful man who apparently took advantage of his power to intimidate women to try to get them to do things for him or else he would ruin them. That all seems to be clear. And, you know, if you want to say that, uh, that, you know, that, 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 um, those are feminist issues. I, I I'm not going to take issue with that. You know, I don't have a, I have a very negative assessment of feminism, but I also don't want to get into semantic issues here. If your take on feminism is, isn't to just ramp up a, an anti-male uh, crusade, but rather it's directed at powerful men who do bad things. Well, I mean, that's something we all can get behind. I don't think you have to be a, I'm making air quotes right now, feminist to see that someone using his power to abuse others is bad. Um, so, but if you want to say that's a feminist angle, that's fine. I'm not going to take issue with that because again, semantic discussions about what feminism is, these are kind of tiresome, not just about what feminism is, but about what anything is, what X is. Uh, you can go on and on about that, go round and round about that, and it's, it's a waste of time as far as I'm concerned. So what is this really about? What is truly at the heart of this darkness? Because, again, you take a wider view of everything that's been revealed, and Weinstein Gate is, again, to use the cliche, just the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole lot more that's been going on. And if you're paying attention, you know that there's a whole lot more going on than that. If you're paying attention and you've read the right things, been steered in the, the right direction, and the scales have fallen from your eyes and you've seen the things that are really going on, seen not necessarily from the point of view of you know, being close to it or knowing anybody who's close to it, but simply reading about it, reading testimony of the abused, what they went through, seeing, seeing patterns. You go through all of that and a clear 
pattern does emerge as far as motivation, I believe. And again, Weinstein is, well, he's, he's a part of this whole culture, but his inclinations aren't nearly as exotic nor nearly as sadistic nor nearly as frightening and evil, even though he is a bad guy, no doubt about that. But it goes well beyond uh, him, as I was saying last time. You know, there's more... Hollywood is much worse than Weinstein, and, I, I you know, Hollywood is, is also just a... It's one dot in this whole gestalt that I'm talking about of the power elite in general. Well, since Weinstein Gate has happened, since it first broke last week, there have been further revelations, and I want to talk about a couple of them before I conclude with my overall take on you know, what this is all about, what's really going on here, what it's really, what it really all boils down to as far as motivation, as far as inclination, what is causing this pattern of abuse, abuse of the beautiful, abuse of the innocent, abuse of the weak, the vulnerable, by the powerful, the strong, the, the sullying of beauty. I guess I'm starting to give it away right now, what I think it's all about, but I'll, I'll come back to that in, in a minute. First of all, though, a couple of things have come out that I want to examine more closely. The first thing I wanted to talk about is Rob Schneider. Rob Schneider is a comedian. He... I think hit the pinnacle of his career as a comedian with the movie series Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo, which tells you maybe something about his career. I mean, we're not talking about one of the more prominent stars in Hollywood, but he had a run going, sort of, for a little while. And for me, he'll, he will always be the, the guy in the office uh, on the Saturday Night Live sketch saying, Mike, making some copies. Mike, the Mike man, getting some coffee. I, was, I always kind of enjoyed that character for some reason. I mean, it was kind of a one note thing, but, but uh, anyway, that's Rob Schneider. Now, Rob Schneider is not what you would think of as a potential victim. Um, he's not all that pretty, <laughs> let's just say. Uh, and, you know, he's male, but that's, that's the thing. That's what I want to part, partly draw attention to here. It's not just about women getting abused in Hollywood. It's men, 
it's girls, it's boys, it's everybody who is weak and vulnerable and needy, who seem to be the ones who are under assault in an almost regular basis. So, uh, let me play this clip of wine, uh, I'm sorry, of, of Rob Schneider, the Capes guy, talking about his recent, or not recent, his experiences back around the time of the beginning of his career. The iceberg. It's like, you know, actors are very, uh, and actresses more than guys, and I know what happens with guys too, but with, um, they're particularly vulnerable because they need an agent and the agents are creeps too you know and like and then they you know trying to get um a job and they, you know the casting directors can be you know and the people who are um uh, the producers the directors i mean it's just it's rampant in the industry there's not one actress who doesn't have a story when i was a young actor you know i mean there was a gross director and it happened to me you know i mean i was in a I was in a hotel room and uh, I was gonna, you know, I was, it was weird. I didn't think it was gonna be a, a weird situation, but it was a famous director just before I was really famous. And the next thing I know, I'm in a room with this guy. He's in a chair, and you know, he's in a row. He's in a uh, comes out in a bathrobe and sits in this chair. And the next thing you know, I'm like, he's asking me to like crawl on the ground, and then to crawl toward him, and I just like. I, I just, it was just this disgusting feeling. I look over there, and this is a guy, he's a very famous, he's passed away now, so I don't think it's fair I should say his name. He was a pig, you know? He was just, and I just remember, like, I don't feel like, it was like momentarily traumatized, but I, but I was thinking about this, you know, this happened to me. So I, I, I got the hell out of there, but I, and I, but at the time also, I didn't think about calling the police or just, I, I didn't even, uh, I didn't even tell my agent. I just was like really disgusted by it. And I just, um, you know, so I mean, it, it did, uh, it, it could happen, it happens to actors, young actors who, uh, who are in a position uh, of no power where they, they can be, um, you know, abused. So he tells his story there. And there's a lot of interesting things about the telling of his story, which to me, uh, are interesting to compare to Jodie Foster, who I played, I played her testimony not long ago about when she was sleazily uh, hit on by a producer of some kind, and we don't know exactly what happened between them, or, or we don't know exactly what this guy wound up doing to her. She wasn't very detailed about that. His, uh, her agent wanted to, uh, actually did go over and punch him in the face, she told us, afterwards. So good on him for that. But what was interesting there in that interview, and what we also find in this interview with, with Rob Schneider, there's no mention of names. No mention of names. In this case... Rob Schneider says he was famous. He was a famous director, but uh, that he said it wouldn't really be be good to to mention his name because he's passed away. What does that mean? <laughs> why 
Why wouldn't it be, uh, I guess maybe he's saying you shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but why not? You know, if he, if he did this to you, then by all means, you're not speaking ill of him. You're just speaking truthfully of him. But again, no names. These, this has come up over and over and over again. No names mentioned. I mean, Corey Feldman in his famous interview talked about how he and his fellow Corey were surrounded by pedophiles and abused. But again, no names. He said, it's not, it's not up to me to mention any names here. I'm not going to do it. You know, that's just all very, that's very, very interesting in and of itself. Um, they're paralyzed. They're really afraid. They don't want to be someone who, who rats on their masters. I mean, these are, these are powerful people. You think these are actors. These are people who have a following, you know, they make a lot of money. They could easily get their fan base, you know, to stand behind them. You would think, but no, they, they, they play ball after it happens, after they get abused or get subjected to these kinds of gross, sleazy situations. We don't know what happened in this case either. There's also, it's also very vague. That's something else that stands out here about Schneider talking about his experience. Just like with Jodie Foster, she never says what actually happened, you know, how she got out of the situation. She doesn't talk about being assaulted. She doesn't say she, she was raped. She just says that, you know, if you want to listen to that interview from, or that uh, interview that I played from a couple of podcasts back, please feel free to do so. She talks about how he, you know, made her take her shirt off and turn around and you know, she was at his house and she was 14 at the time. And, you know, it was all gross and inappropriate, but she doesn't say how she got out of there. I mean, she's only 14. She's, she, I don't know how she got there in the first place, who drove her there, whether the person who drove her there was complicit as well, knew what was going to happen. That's the other thing. I mean, there's always people setting these things up with Weinstein if you read the articles about him, there are, you know, he has people who are helping him set these, these meetings up. And a lot of times they're women working under him. And, you know, he says, well, well, let's just have a meeting and has, has these female, uh, workers of his also be there at first to set the target at ease. And then they disappear. And then it's, eventually it's just, him and his target. And you know that they're, be, the, the, they know that they're being used. They, they are complicit in all of this. So it's the men in charge, mo mostly men who are indeed, you know, directly taking part, directly committing these acts. But they the people that they have working for them, men and women are complicit in all of it. And they must just wield enormous power. And it must be known how much enormous power 
they wield. And Schneider was talking about how, you know, casting directors are gross, agents are gross, directors. He, the way he was talking, I mean, I know, I know he wasn't saying it in any, any kind of blanket way. Like everybody who was, who had any of those jobs was always a potential predator or was a, was a predator. But the way he spoke of it was that it would, it, it, you know, just like it was a typical thing, an everyday thing. It was what people in the business who were vulnerable, as he puts it, would just have to deal with. And again, Rob Schneider is not what you would think. I mean, when he was younger, I, I'm sure he was better looking. And I'm not putting him down. I'm not, I don't do that schoolyard bully thing where I make fun of people for being ugly. Just I'm just saying he's not what you would typically think of as somebody who would get, who would be uh, uh, the object of lust. But you never know when these people have their, everybody's got their proclivities, right? Everybody's got their preferences, just like the comedian said at the Comet Ping Pong show, we've all got our preferences. <laughs> You've probably, most of you have probably heard that by now. Super, super creepy stuff. But it's true. So, you're not safe. You know, being ugly doesn't make you safe, necessarily. And being a man doesn't make you safe. Even being a really strong man, like the next person I'm going to talk about. So, Terry Crews, big, strong black guy. 240 pounds, you know, looks like he could be a football player. Uh, doesn't look like somebody that you would want to try to molest against his will. Looks like he could kick your ass pretty easily. But he's uh, he's on the show Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And after Weinstein Gate broke, he tweeted out this message. He said... My wife and I were at a Hollywood function last year and a high-level Hollywood executive came over to me and groped my privates. And he tweets again. Jumping back, I said, what are you doing? My wife saw everything and we looked at him like he was crazy. He just grinned like a jerk. Next tweet. I was going to kick his ass right then, but I thought twice about how the whole thing would appear. 240-pound black man stomps out Hollywood honcho would be headlined the next day. Yeah, well, that would be a... I would appreciate that headline personally, but... But uh, he didn't do anything about it. This, this executive, this honcho, as he calls him, just went up to him in public at a function, a big grown man, and grabs his junk in public, in front of his wife, and then grins like a jerk about it. Once again, you know, this, this is startling to hear about. It seems so implausible, but... Again, it says something about the culture, doesn't it? 
it says that the people who are in charge, the people who have the real power, just feel like they can do whatever they want. That everyone around is their property and they can wherever, whenever, do whatever to them. So I was just going to share his story, but it's come out since then, since then that there's another, yet another case of a Hollywood actor who has a story to tell. James Vanderbeek, most famous from the show Dawson's Creek back in the 90s. So he, he tweets, uh, this was just today, October 12th. I didn't know about this until just now. So this is actually the first time I'm reading these words. He tweets, I've had my ass grabbed by older, powerful men. I've had them corner me in inappropriate sexual conversations when I was much younger. I understand the unwarranted shame, powerlessness, and inability to blow the whistle. There's a power dynamic that feels impossible to overcome. So then the article says he has not named his abusers because two of them were charged and one has died. Well, if they've been charged, why not name them? And if they've died, why not name them? Again, this terror, this, this fright that they have of giving the names of the people who did these things to them. So he goes on to say, so apologies to any mentors and champions and wonderful friends I've made in this industry who may have been pulled into wrongful speculation. That, that's, uh, that's kind of a weird way to finish that semi-mini-tweet storm there. But in any case, there is uh, this terror of saying, well, first of all, there, there's a lot of uh, difficulty in saying that it happened at all. And second of all, there is a lot of even, there's even greater fear about naming the accuser. You just don't want to, these powerful men, I mean, not, not powerful, not hugely powerful, but more powerful than me, more powerful than you probably, because these are, you know, well-known actors with careers who have a fan base, you know, who are movie stars to one extent or other, you know, maybe not A-list, but, but they're up there and they're not naming names. None of these people are naming names. I don't think these people are, you know, none of them strike me, Schneider, Vanderbeek, Cruz, none of these three guys strike me as, you know, wussies. They don't strike me as timid. You know, just like I was saying about Jodie Foster the other day, she doesn't strike me that way at all. She seems very poised, very resourceful. But again, no naming of names. And even with Weinstein being mentioned, even with his name being out there now, there is still, uh, there's still been nobody else mentioned. No other abusers have been mentioned yet. Maybe it'll happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And that is 
curious and it draws attention to itself. So what is at the heart of this all? What is this all about? This is a subject that could be gone into in even greater detail, you know, could, could be its own separate conversation. But I want to relate it to what uh, a reference that I made in my book, Meta Pizzagate, and I don't usually make self-referential, self-promoting references like that. So I hope you don't roll your eyes too much at me doing it this one time, maybe not one time, but I, I don't do it that often. And I don't want to just sound like I'm cashing in, like, hey, read my book and give me a few extra shekels because of all this horrible stuff that's going on. And of course, my book, Meta Pizzagate, is about all the horrible stuff going on. But in that book, I mention C.S. Lewis and the screw tape letters, in which Lewis gives us a presentation of hell how it works, how things work in hell, what the dynamic is like between the senior demons and their underlings. There's no love. There's no friendship. There's no affinity. All of the good things, all of the virtues are, have been drained away because these are demons. These are purely evil beings. And so for them, it's all about power. And it's a power dynamic and you know the the ones who are in charge who are the higher ups love to lord it over the ones who ha they have beneath them but the ones who are beneath them dream uh, you know they're they're all servile uh, uh in their behavior towards the higher ups but they dream of being able to knock them off their High, from their high places and, the, and then be able to subject them to the same kind of abuse that, that they themselves are subjected to now. So it's just this, uh, again, desire to, to, to grow more powerful at the expense of others. And there is a thrill, there's a demonic thrill that they derive from predation, from cannibalism. And I mean, it is, it turns out to be literal cannibalism, even though they don't actually die uh, because they're in hell, they're, they're immortal. But when the junior demon fails to uh, bring the spirit that he's been charged with to hell, he's like the, the guardian devil, you know, the, the devil on the one shoulder who's trying to get him to do all the bad things so that he'll avoid salvation and wind up in hell. And when he fails to do that, when his charge dies and he ends up, uh, and uh, the, uh, the man ends up going to heaven instead of to hell, then Wormwood, <laughs> the, the screw tape is the name of the senior devil, talks about how he's looking forward to feasting on Wormwood. He's just going to have a really good time eating him up and it's just going to be delicious, and he's he's ravenous. His affection, he as he puts it, is ravenous. He talks about being his affectionate uncle, but of course there's no affection in the way that we think of affection. Affection to them just pertains to desire to consume. And that's what I think is really going on 
with these high-level Hollywood executives and with all of these incidences, all of these cases of the powerful, you know, the ultra-powerful, the really powerful, who whose power is so abundant that they could be considered part of what the Bible calls the principalities and powers, thrones and dominions of, of the world, the ones who rule the world. They're part of this, this power elite who share dominion of the globe in their own way. They, they pull the strings. And for them, those who have given themselves over to this level of depravity, for them, it's, it's really all about, it's not even all about, I mean, in a sense, it's about power, obviously, but it's more about predation. Because for them, it's about gorging themselves at the expense of others. And they get a particularly frightening thrill to us. It's frightening to, to someone with a normal mindset. It's frightening. They, they get a particular thrill off of feasting on the powerless, feasting on the innocent. Again, I flash back to the Franklin scandal and what was discussed just in passing in that book, how these orphans were taken, they were flown out to different places, to, to different powerful people in Hollywood and DC to have their way with them. And some of them left and didn't get back on the plane. Again, I can't shake that, it's just haunting. It's haunting to me to think of that. Some of them were taken to these locations and that was the last that was seen of them. These, these kids who didn't have a family, they were, you know, everything you would think of as powerless is what constituted these kids' identity. I mean, they were the very opposite of the ones who were, who were feasting on them. Maybe even literally, good God. But, so again, there's stuff going on, you know, that goes well beyond the documented depravities of Harvey Weinstein. But I think in his case, as in the cases of all these others who go on beyond his behavior, beyond, on beyond his proclivities, what they all share in common is taking delight, taking, uh, being turned on by, by predation being turned on by the idea of treating others like their meat to be consumed, whether figuratively, spiritually, or literally. This is what I think is at, at, their, at their dark heart. 
this is what drives them. And it explains things why, why someone like Harvey Weinstein wants to have his, uh, these actresses, these models, whoever, whomever wants to subject them to this kind of humiliation where they have to watch him shower. I mean, which must be a disgusting, uh, ordeal for them because again, he's fat and ugly. So not only that, but he's, he's this, you know, he's piggish, not only in, in his appearance, but also in his, in his bearing and his personality. And so it's, it's disgusting. It's frightening, you know, and someone like Weinstein and others of his ilk just soak up those vibrations. It's, you know, it turns him on. It, it uh, gives him, it enhances his sense of power. There's something vampiric about it. And of course there are cases, alleged cases of actual vampirism that go on with some of these, some of these freaks, but where they actually consume the blood of the innocent. There's something though about cases like this that, you know, about the idea that you're sullying the innocent, you're taking someone who's innocent and rendering them filthy. Again, that is at the heart of the way that they behave. And that is why, you know, someone Someone from this, you know, protected class can just go out in public at a regular function and just grab somebody's crotch, grab an actor's crotch in public in front of his wife. It turns him on because he knows how humiliating it is. He knows that this actor isn't going to do anything about it. And he gets off on that. This is what, this is the kind of people that we're dealing with here, I'm convinced. From what I can glean, from what I can gather. And we'll see, you know, where this all goes with these three accounts that have been given from Schneider and Cruz and Vanderbeek. We see that it's not just about women getting treated this way. And unfortunately, it's not just about men either. We know that it's also about children, even though that's still that aspect of how things work in Hollywood hasn't so far come under scrutiny with regard to this particular scandal. But we'll see how things might unravel here and what other dark kinds of incidents might uh, eventually show themselves, reveal themselves to the light. It'll be interesting to see where it all goes. So 
I think I'm going to stop it there. Thank you very much for listening. My name is Andy Nowicki. I am the nameless one. Check me out at altrightnovelist.com and you can also see me on YouTube by typing my name. I've been doing more regular uh, videos that are kind of like this nameless podcast, except I guess slightly more informal uh, on a host of subjects. Thank you again for listening. I am the nameless one, Andy Nowicki. Talk to y'all soon.